Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Richard Geiger and Ken Seymour. We are experiencing a quantum mania of (laughs) episodes from the 70s here. That's exactly what we're talking about. TV, we're continuing our journey down the history of comic book and comic strip inspired television shows and specials. It's an exciting time. You know why it's exciting? Because we're actually starting to come across some stuff that we've actually seen. We're getting closer. Getting closer. I got to imagine that our audience, generally speaking, is around our age range, um, give or take. And uh, a lot of us were born in the 70s, so we couldn't have been watching these because we weren't alive when they came out. Syndication. But yes, absolutely. So years later, when they were still only, I don't know, four TV stations to watch, uh, these would pop up on those stations repeatedly. So, yeah, we're we're finally getting to that uh, that mindset where, like, yes, I've seen some of these things. Exactly. Now, uh, just like, uh, just like the, our series that we did on the movies, we're talking about uh, the items that are inspired by something that originated as a comic or a comic strip, not something that was a show that was so popular that it created a comic book and then it went back to TV again. Uh, But it could have been um, a book before it was a comic, just so long as it didn't exist in radio, television, movies, anything like that before it existed in that particular medium. Easy enough. So we're going to start with something that's just a little, well, it's a little out of nowhere in the sense that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we see on United States television is going to be based on stuff from the United States. I mean, it just stands to reason, right? Although I will say a lot of the prerequisites we've had in the past for some of our discussions were things that were originated in the United States. Yeah, but sometimes I I fudge just a little bit, especially if there's some commonality or something that mm-hmm. bears mentioning. Uh, and that's why I think we're going to start in 1970. There is a a claymation, a stop animation uh, series that is called The Adventures of Rupert Bear. Uh, now, the interesting thing, I think, about this, at least in, in the origination, is that's based on a comic strip from the 1920s. Now, the reason that this comic strip kind of only sort of matches is it's from the UK originally. But so this comic strip is uh, just kind of imagine... Um, Animals with um, human traits that walk around and are cute and let us reflect about our lives sort of a thing. But it was based off of a fad, you know, the the whole teddy bear thing, right? You know, the history of the teddy bear? No, tell us, please. Oh, so, so the teddy bear became known as the teddy bear because of uh, Teddy Roosevelt. So they made, a, they made a bear that was a teddy bear. And then they thought, well, the kids like that. We'll make that into... Uh, cartoon strips and things like that. Makes sense. And this is kind of a, a a take on that. It's not the original, but inspired by. And so then it just kind of went from there. Now the strip was kind of sort of popular. Um, uh, not as popular as a lot of other strips, so that's why a lot of people may not be real familiar with it. But uh, Mary Tertell uh, is the creator. Um, and you know, if you take a look at her, she she had um, an interesting history. 
uh, had a lot of um, had a lot of just looking at her original artwork, her pieces. The style is I don't want to say simplistic, but it's it's minimalist. There's the word I'm looking mm. for. It, but it's it's really really pretty. Yeah, for a, a comic strip panel, um, and it's just kind of fun to see these these early uh, these early uh, comic strip panels and how that they would be interpreted, especially if you're going to go as a stop uh, stop motion sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this only lasts a single season, and I have not seen any of the episodes. Uh, if you look onto the wonderful IMDb, they only have one credit nice. <laughs> for the cast. Uh, Judy Bennett as the narrator. And if you look at who Judy Bennett is, yeah, you got not a lot. Well, uh, I can tell you, I have seen uh, Family Guy and uh, Stewie's Bear is named Rupert. <laughs> That's all I got. Sorry. Well, you know, uh, anything that anything that works. Now, um, or did I say one season? I said one season. I actually meant four seasons. This ran, uh, but they're only eleven minute episodes, so it's not it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, here's the sixteen episodes for this season. They're little kind of miniature snippets, like you would. I mean, Gumby had a show, but a lot of times I remember watching like the little Gumby stop animations mm-hmm. as part of something else. Yeah, like a mix-in or like an intermission of sorts. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of what this was. Um, so you know, pretty neat. Uh, all said and done, a little reminiscent of Winnie the Pooh, sort of a little bit. Well, that's kind of the idea I got when looking at the little panels. In initially, I was like, oh well, it's a bear sitting on a picnic blanket next to a pig sitting on a the same picnic back uh, blanket like okay yeah so i'm i'm kind of curious i'd love to see this at some point because i just have a, a soft spot for the the stop motion animation stuff but uh in 1970 that would be our first stop and we're moving on because i don't know anything else about this and i have no other interesting things to say about it no <laughs> But uh, as we continue, uh, let's go to something that has had so many iterations over the years, whether it be through um, cartoons or live action. It actually has, like right now, about two or three different live action television shows (laughs) that are based on this property at the moment. Um, But it also had a very popular resurgence or surgeons, initial surgeons in the early 70s. And specifically, I'm talking about Archie Comics. Now, we talked about this in the previous episode, so we don't have to really rehash anything. But if you aren't familiar, it's Bob Montana, Goldwater's characters, slice of life, teenagers in school in a town. And, you know, they got the, the big mean bully. You got the kind of jokester that's not always the smartest you got the really popular kid that has girls chasing after him it's it's the kind of standard stuff but Archie had so many spin-offs off of that series that were particularly popular both as a comic in and of itself but also that that spawned their own television shows so just keep that in mind as we talk going forward cuz a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about is going to be based around this Archie related and we already talked quite a bit. Like they always, 
it's almost like in the in this era it was Archie and then it didn't work Archie and then it didn't work so there was always some iteration some revisiting some something uh, of this original property before the spin-offs actually became more popular yeah now this one in particular was called Archie's Funhouse uh, and I kind of wonder if that sort of had a, an impact on the SNL TV Funhouse mm, yeah. could be who knows? But uh, two seasons, standard animation. It was fairly simple animation as I attempt to stifle hiccups that want to come through for no particular reason that I can come up with. But um, when you look at it, that they tried to do the original comics justice, and it has a very reminiscent feel of a lot of the Hanna-Barbera mm-hmm. style of art from this particular time. Uh, and it was, like I said, it's popular enough to get a couple of seasons off of this, um, which means that it was at least funny enough, and then it had to have good enough voice acting. Uh, now, you know, we've talked about some of these guys before. Y- yes, and in, in looking at these two, we, we kind of glanced over a little bit it looks like the episodes are pretty accessible if you want to relive your history yeah. uh, but some of that appears to be on amazon so if some of the things that we're talking about you want to check them out you want to see for yourself it looks like a lot of them you can if you have a prime subscription you can just go and watch yeah like uh we talked about the actor john Irwin before he's been a voice actor and a bunch of stuff that mm-hmm. we've gone over but he played reggie kind of the the rival to Archie, uh, some you know, frenemy, I guess you could mm-hmm. label it in in the show. But I mean, he's done voices for just all sorts of stuff. You're talking about Family Guy. He's done voices for Family Guy as as He Man. Yes, it looks like his history says He Man, He Man, He Man. That's right. Other things too, of course. But I have the power. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you can stuff. even watch current versions of He-Man on uh, Netflix, so that's that's still going strong. Yeah, it's that's that's something that we'll probably eventually talk about more. But since yeah. it's questionable whether you could call it based on a comic, and it was kind of interesting because those toys originally released with individual comic yep. books, little little so, mini ones. So it was hard to say. It's like, well, can you really consider that? The toy first, I considered it toy first because they wanted to sell the toy. They just happened to include a comic that came with it. So it was an incidental inclusion. A simultaneous release of both the toy and the comic, thus making it uh, available as a comic first rendition for our episodes in the future. If you want to cheat. Yeah, maybe I'll feel like it at one point. I, I, I never feel that... Uh, <laughs> That well, tied to things sometimes. Well, we've kind of done that with uh, G.I. Joe, although G.I. Joe was more strictly toys without any printed material. And then the comic came, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Transformers the, uh, they, and they, instead of having the comic, would have the cardboard on the back that would give you the dossier file for the for the Joe or the Cobra agent that you were trying to do. But So, yeah, so the guy that did Archie's voice in this did Archie's voice in everything. Uh, and that's uh, Dal McKinnon. So we're probably not going to talk about these these um, 
particular people each time we bring up an Archie's thing in this in this particular episode. They've been consistent. Get the same actor or actress for the voices, which is, you know, that's what you'd want nowadays anyway. Well, I, I know I feel better when I have kind of a, a certain continuity, as it were. But, uh, yeah, so these people had uh, – had a lot of um, had a lot of success over the years, um, so just take a look at it. Like I said, Dal McKinnon, John Irwin, Howard Morris as Big Moose had a huge uh, career, so I mean they're all pretty good. But again, we haven't seen this show, yeah, so no can't clue. can't really speak to it past that. Uh, probably fun. Um, so what's next? Staying in the vein of Archie. Uh, the Archie comic spawned several spinoffs, one of which that was probably the most popular, at least for a while, was the Josie and the Pussycats, the band that would play in town. And they were oh so cool. And they thought, hey, kids would like an oh so cool band of girls that maybe have a mascot of some kind, whether it be an animal or you're going to see a real weird one coming up <laughs> Here in a bit, but <laughs> but they'll go around and solve mysteries because they can't really do the slice of life with the Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. Is is not quite the same thing, and especially since there were several versions of this kind of a style of a cartoon. What was the buggy? I'm spacing the name of the talking buggy that would take everybody. There was one like that, and just, and of course Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. and you know that sort of thing, and. Uh, yeah, so that that was along a slightly different vein. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats in this iteration only lasted a single season. Um, now, of course, they're different characters, uh, except for when there is a crossover to the original cast, because there is going to be some crossover. Uh, but um, gotta have that callback to the uh, original stuff. But you get uh, some Casey Kasem as. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Cabot, the third. Uh, Cheryl Ladd did the voice of one of them. So, I mean, if you, if you don't know who Cheryl Ladd is, I mean, she was a big-time uh, television icon. Um, and it's just, she, uh, like I said, it's it's hard not to, not to, like, see the 60s and 70s and think of Cheryl Ladd. It's like Charlie's Angels stuff. Yeah, she was in just so much really kind of interesting things. She's still active, um, but it looks like Hallmark movies. Mm. So she probably had them out on the on the on the TV probably in the last month. Every half hour. Ooh, she was in Santa Paws too. The Santa Pups. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, she was in an episode of Chuck. I had forgotten about that. That was such a fun show. Uh, but yeah, so Cheryl Ladd, very cool. But uh, other than that, you may or may not recognize some of the names associated with it. But trust me, they're all movers and shakers of the time. Uh, I see no reason to stay on this particular television show that neither of us, well, I've seen it, but it's been so long I don't really remember it. Yeah. And, and so, we're going to revisit some of these voices. Casey Kasem is going to show up again, oh yeah. inevitably, on something. Um, definitely. Because he was such a strong radio personality in his, you know, top 40 on the radio, th- this voice you would recognize. If you're our age and you listen to anything that was just audio only, you would recognize that voice. 
easily. Oh, yeah. So that's basically 1970. They didn't have a lot that really came out that year, but those three shows came out in, in that particular uh, particular time span. So we advance to 1971, where everything is going to be different. So let's talk about Archie's TV Funnies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this lasted a single season. Uh, came out in 1971. Um, now, it's a single season, but it's stretched over multiple years. So I'm still trying to figure out exactly how that works. Because if you look at the, the stuff, it says 71 to 73. That's not a single season, but it's only 16 episodes. Unless it was this, this type of thing was the same show, but each season was a different name. Uh, oh, that's a stretch. There it is. That's what it is. I missed that when I was looking at it before. This isn't just the Archies. This is the Archies presenting other stories, like oh. Dick Tracy and Smokey Stover, other comic strips. Um, so that's actually kind of neat. That means you get a little bit of variation. Um, I'm kind of curious how that would work. Hey, guys, we're done with uh, school. You want to go over to the malt shop? No, my dad just got this five-inch television. It's black and white. Let's watch all of our favorite shows. Like what? Dick Tracy's <laughs> age. Uh, oh, it's much brighter in its coloring uh, from the previous one. So there, there's that. A little something. Yeah. What? So we see a panel here, which is just uh, a full screen of you know Dick Tracy shooting a manhole cover. <laughs> uh, so I'm wondering if it was like, hey, here's this as an introduction. They show it for like a short story's worth, and they come back to it. What do you think of that? Oh, gee, Williker, that was great. Yeah, I'm thinking that's probably somewhere, somewhere in that range because, uh, yeah, this, this is it's still kind of a classic style of animation, and they're trying to show some difference between the the different strips, but it's odd to say the least. Oh well. Okay. Uh, thanks, Archie. You've introduced us into Dick Tracy. Yeah. Now, let's uh, cover something that uh, is rather uh, more curious from 1971. Uh, the Curiosity Shop. <laughs> Why is it uh, a shop? What are they selling? So, think about this. Uh, Curiosity Shop was not in and of itself based on a comic strip. It's another thing that was like that Archie thing we just talked about where they introduce, a couple of kids introduce other stories. So you get stuff like BC, uh, the comic strip adapted into uh, animation or Wizard of Id or something like that. Um, so it's... Interesting. It's, uh, again, kind of they're trying to blend the things together, real kids, Muppets, and then animation. Uh, so imagine if, uh, Sesame street, well, actually just imagine Sesame street. If they used other cartoons than their own cartoons. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, um, there, the, the neat thing about this is just some of the people that are involved with it. I know you recognize some of these names. Well, the first thing that came to my attention here was some of the credits up top for, uh, Ray Bradbury of all people. <laughs> but then the the actual folks that were in it 
are some pretty nice, big, recognizable names. Yeah, I mean, our at least my a lot of my childhood was Mary Melody. So, what would it be without Mel Blank, who was a part of this show? And Vincent Price as Master of Scaramony, Scarab, Scaramontes, Scaramontes. <laughs> okay, <you know. laughs> sure. Why not? Welcome. I, I love Bill Hader's Vincent Price. Oh yeah, yeah, very good. I I still can't even can't even hear the regular Vincent anymore. I just hear his version of Vincent. But you got Shirley Jones was involved. It doesn't give us a any specific character. But if you if you don't recognize who Shirley Jones is just by looking at her, I would be really surprised. But for those that like some of the older um, musicals, like The Music Man and Carousel, I mean, that's that's kind of major. Um, but she's been active for a really long time, and so she's, she's still making stuff. Yeah, a lot of those kind of TV appearances where you're super excited to see that face on there for that one episode in these, in the show that you're such a fan of, and then she shows up. You're like, oh my gosh, who? Oh, Chuck Jones, <laughs> another classic voice actor. Mr. Jones. Uh, Les Tremaine, for those that are not completely familiar, another just huge name in terms of voiceover work. We've talked about him before. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he just had a, a huge, uh, career back then. So this show, um, it was going all out to get the talent. Yeah. Uh, apparently just wasn't, wasn't something that stuck if it's what, only going to be a single season. Is there a, a, an episode count? Oh, there is, uh, there is an, a whole four of them. Woo. Okay. I, I, it looked like there wasn't that many. Yeah, so I feel like they just kind of gave up. <laughs> it's it's open ended, nineteen seventy one till present. Yeah, you never know; they could bring it back. I somehow doubt it, though. Um. So yeah, so nineteen seventy one. Let's end it strong. Let's end it with something we haven't talked about before, or let's end it with another Archie spinoff. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Now. Don't be thinking about the 90s live action show that was the the comedic masterpiece with the talking mechanical cat. Uh, There's still a talking cat. It's just all animated. Um, I have seen one or two episodes of this particular show, and it's just kind of, again, it's got that same art design Mm -hmm. from all the other Archie stuff. And it's just kind of fun. It's silly. You can't really. It, it's. I mean, even sillier than Archie is because you got to add magic to it. Mm-hmm. And so from I, a from a uh, teenage witch of all things. So yeah. in in the things that you would think of magic and witches, always spooky and you know evil and doing bad things as the normal presentation. And then you get just a 180 in in this type of thing. And I'm guessing that's why it was so popular, both because it had the Archie background on it. But the other thing, too, was just it was a a presentation of something that at the time was just completely different, unique. Yeah, not not quite so common. And it was popular enough to get more than one season. So you got 61 episodes, uh, which is... (laughs) 
<laughs> pretty impressive, really. Um, but uh, yeah, so it lasted over a couple of years and it still has that same kind of grouping of actors and actresses that um, that have been doing things for all of the other Archie presentations. So really nothing new there. And we won't kind of kind of sit on this any any more than we need to, other than the fact that I like the idea of the Sabrina character, and I always uh, I always enjoyed the comics. That's one of the ones I actually liked a lot. Who was Sabrina? Sabrina was Jane Webb. Uh, Jane Webb was known for a few things, but it's uh, again she uh, did a lot of voice work. Um, she did Batgirl in the Batman Superman TV Hour. We talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, she didn't really do anything after the late seventies. So it's just, she, she had a couple of nice spots here and there. Uh, Oliver twist. She was Nancy, uh, back in 74. If you're familiar with that rendition of Oliver twist, the, the animated version, uh, definitely busy in the seventies. Yeah. You could say, yeah. So not really much to, not much to say there. She was in, uh, Star Trek, the animated series. She was, uh, one episode. One episode. So yeah, all right. So I feel like we've made progress. In fact, I feel like we've made so much progress. We're going to go to 1972. So you ready to get out of the Archies? Uh, absolutely. Let's. Too bad. Uh, uh, dun dun dun. <laughs> now we're going to talk about Josie and the Pussycats in outer space. So this kind of coincided with the other Josie and the Pussycats. Right. So you could double up your J and the P if you wanted to. I wonder if it played back to back. So there was one and then after it was this one. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say, but unlike the regular Josie and the Pussycats, this one, they had an alien friend called Bleep. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, just kind of silly, silly cartoons for kids to watch. Now, was the alien called bleep or was it like really just a bad word, but <laughs> they substituted bleep. Come here, you little bleep. Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, same same voices. Got got your Casey Kasem again. You got your Janet Waldo again uh, doing the lead with uh, the voice for Josie. Um yeah, it's just kind of uh, kind of just more of the same. I mean, if you knew what uh, Josie and the Pussycats were like in the original series, just put them in a ship and suspend all logic, and that's what this show was. Did they take their instruments with them to outer space? Of course they did. Space Jam. Yeah. Um, I know there's nothing I like more than listening to canned music from the 60s and 70s played over kind of outdated uh, animation. Maybe maybe there's one thing I like more than that. That's our social media Ooh. presence. <laughs> I was, you know, I was going to say like maybe the same thing, just over 80s canned music. <laughs> no, no, this is just a reminder that we still exist. Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably already knew that. But one thing that I want to remind you is Tell your friends about us. Uh, in- invite them into the world of the Pudding Guys. They can keep track of us on Twitter for as long as it exists. 
at Real Pudding Guys, and they can keep track of us on Facebook and Instagram and, uh, of course, on Patreon, where they can even support us for a modicum of funds, only a single dollar per month to help us kind of do what we do. Uh, and, of course, visit the website. That's where all the episodes are, in addition to Spotify and Google and Apple. We try and make it as available everywhere as possible, even some stuff on uh, on the YouTubes, though we're going to have a small, small pause on the videos until we a can break. until we can uh, address certain technical issues a break right uh, Coming but back bigger and better than ever exactly it, it'll be better when it comes back but of course in the meantime you can see what we've rated our films the guests that we've had on you can see our kill counts for a bunch of different films and and television shows you can go to our uh, internet movie database style thing called the comic book the Ultimate Comic Book Database. It's every comic book, uh, comic strip-based film ever made, at least up until Thor Love and Thunder, <laughs> because I'm still behind. But that wasn't that long ago. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to get it caught up. I'd really like to get it caught up before Ant-Man comes out. We'll see what happens. Mm. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a rough couple of uh, years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but onward, ever onward, um, onward and upward. Yeah. So uh, let's let's get into something that we haven't talked about uh, from uh, nineteen seventy two, and that would be the animated film Snoopy Come Home. Snoopy Come Home. Now, technically, this is not um, not a television show. Uh, and it was released, as far as I know, in theaters initially, but it's kind of played as a television special more than anything else. Um, and it's, of course, based on the Peanuts by Charles Schultz. And if you're not familiar with Peanuts, I don't know who you are. Mm. Uh, you have to be from, you know, I've never seen anything from the United States ever, sort of a thing. It, so, you know, back in the day, of course, it was just a a comic strip you could especially if you got the sunday paper which a lot of times if you didn't have the newspaper subscription a lot of times you at least picked up the sunday paper because it had more info and you know ads for things but it had a much more robust comic section in it and there was always some peanuts and of course many other things in there too um but i feel like every year now the when you talk about classics, it's there's a there's a couple peanuts movies that okay. every year they're out. Oh yeah, and this is supposed to be a heartwarming thing where Snoopy gets a letter from a sick girl and goes to visit her in the hospital, which of course they're going to let a stray dog and a, <laughs> a small bird into a into a highly controlled environment where people are trying to not get uh, infections. But, you know, ignoring that is still kind of cool. He's got a nice smile, so yeah, should be good. It, it's it's sweet. If you haven't seen it, it, it is a very sweet little thing. It's not very long. It's less than an hour and a half. Uh, so, like I said, they used to play this semi-regularly on television. I mean, CBS, you know, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. But uh, I haven't seen it in a number of years. So I'm kind of curious. I might have to watch that again. Although, to be honest, uh, network television isn't something that we've really been paying a lot of attention to in terms yeah. of a live broadcast or 
weekly, daily usage in quite some time either. So maybe it uh, maybe it does pop up on CBS every something. Uh, what would this? It says it's the holiday event. What holiday? Oh, uh, thankful. So thank Thanksgiving. Oh, no, no, you're you're seeing a loop for a different special. It's already gone past this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's now just. Uh, oh, because well, that's yeah, <laughs> Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. That's why I was like, hold on. Yeah, no this this is. Uh, this is one of the less popular ones, but I, like I said, I, I seem to remember it. Now, we do want to talk about one other thing from 1972, and it's technically not a TV thing. But if you will remember from our previous delving into the history of comic book films, we ignored comic strip-based films just completely or animated films that were based on comic books. Yep. Uh, unless it was like all CGI, and then we sometimes bent it just a little bit if there was a ninja and or turtle involved. Um, couldn't, yeah, I mean, couldn't right. not <clears throat> talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So this is actually a kind of a pop culture touchstone for a lot of people, and it is not safe for work. So if you're going to listen to this at work and you're going to look it up, don't. <laughs> but uh, the the film in question is called Fritz the Cat. came out in 1972. It's based off of a comic book, sort of. It's one of those things where uh, the, the original stories were in a magazine uh, called Help um, and then had their own comics and everything. And it was, uh, you know, opted into a film. And this is this is intended to be another thing where it's you know just kind of funny stories, something that resembles the life of uh, the author or those that are around him, or funny things like that. But they're of a very adult nature. Um, so, is it is it the most amazing animation of all time? No, <laughs> but that's kind of where the charm is. It is. Uh, it's very kind of silly. If if you're familiar with like Heathcliff, mm-hmm. the old Heathcliff strip or cartoon, it makes me think of that very much so. Um, so it's uh, yeah. Well, but, I mean the the uh, tagline here says he's X-rated and animated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of it is a little trippy. Uh, you will see some very odd things. Now, understand, this is X-rated in the sense of the 1960s. X-rated in the 1960s and the equivalent now are not the same thing. Um, It it doesn't hold a candle uh, to that, but it's adult enough (laughs) that, uh, yeah, you really should not watch it in front of kids. A hypocritical swinging college student cat raises hell in a satiric vision of various elements yeah. in the 1960s. Yeah. Okay. So, so Robert Crumb was the original creator. Um, there was a sequel to this that was made without his permission. So he killed <laughs> he killed Felix. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, small stuff. But... Uh, it's just kind of, uh, you're not going to recognize a lot of the voices in this, but, uh, yeah. Hey, Skip. Yep, yep. So, uh, 
I only saw part of this at one point, and by the time I was old enough and had access to watch it, I didn't care anymore. You know, it seems naughty when you're, oh, I'm under 18, there's an animated adult film, and it has, uh, oh, and then you go, this is, uh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like PG-13 today's standards. Right. It's just not that, uh, not that impressive. Um, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for the, the dirt. Um, but that's 72 in a nutshell. Uh, let's uh, move on to 1973. We're making good time here. Um, we have talked about this particular property a number of times. You've watched the most recent animated films based on this mm-hmm. property. And we're, uh, I, I feel impressed, fairly impressed by them. Um, have not seen the newest Netflix series. Yeah, I kind of. I'm kind of curious about that one. I've heard some mixed reviews here and there, but I want to give it a try. But, uh, yeah, Adam's Family is what we're talking about. Um, this animated, think uh, Scooby-Doo quality uh, art style and animation. Uh, it's a Hanna-Barbera property, so you shouldn't be too terribly surprised. It's goofy. It doesn't really make much sense. It doesn't really need to. It's just there to to just have some fun. And you're going to see a lot of the same names. Uh, you, you've got your uh, Jackie Coogan. We've talked about him multiple times. John Stevenson's been in a bunch of the other shows we've already talked about today. Uh, same thing with Janet Waldo has been in a bunch of the ones we've talked about today. Um, this one I thought was interesting. Yes, sneaking in for one episode. Jodie Foster did Pugsley uh, for for an episode. <laughs> and also said so Ken Weatherwax. So apparently Pugsley has a ever-evolving voice. Yeah. It's, I've never seen this animated thing. It's, um, the one nice thing is they did keep Ted Cassidy as Lurch because he was the, the live action. The original, yeah. But uh, basically everybody else got uh, moved around um, with the exception of uh, also Jackie Coogan, who was Uncle Fester. Um, But uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, Well, it was a good story and the actual uh, show itself uh, stuck around for a few seasons. So uh, makes sense to move it to an animated if you can. Right. They got a season out of it. That's something. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling very kind of non-segway-y today. I don't know if you've gotten that impression. Yeah. And, you know, the the problem w- with these is we recognize the properties, but, you know, like we said, we haven't really seen any of these things. Um, so. so the... Uh, excitement for it is like yes we like we like the adams family i'm sure this one's great okay let's go to the next one (laughs) right (laughs) maybe we should have done this uh uh, history of comic book television that we've seen (laughs) that'd be (laughs) much shorter much shorter um in 1973 uh bc the first thanksgiving animated special less than half an hour you can absorb it and uh, come to the conclusion that uh, uh, you're not surprised that I didn't have an ongoing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> animated 
presence not really something that kids are going to find all that fun. I mean, BC could be amusing in the funny pages when I watch it and when it wasn't trying to be overly um, religious, especially mm-hmm. towards the end of the run. But uh, definitely a, a a strip that would show up on the Sundays, right? But uh, all in all, it uh, still had Mel Blank involved, so it could have been all that all that bad. Uh, but basically, if you're unfamiliar with BC, uh, BC was created by Johnny Hart uh, back in 1958. It's it's just again kind of a slice of life comic strip where everybody is cavemen. I mean, that's literally the whole thing. Yes. So they just put modern situations and people wearing you know pants and they have. Beards and long hair. I feel like I may have heard about something very similar where people had cars that operated by running uh, underneath and <laughs> showers were dinosaurs that just spat water on you. <laughs> Although in this one, did they utilize, they didn't utilize animals as tools. No, this no. Is this is more was, like. I don't know if realistic is the right word, but less goofy. Yeah. Less cartoony, but right. more. But still a, a cartoon. That yeah. makes sense here. Yeah. All right. I've had enough of stuff that we haven't seen. We've got to talk about something we've seen. And we're we're basically in the right spot. Uh, same year, 1973. This next show lasted nine seasons. Nine seasons? Nine seasons. Now, if you don't recognize that particular inflection, I suggest you watch uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. You know. Nine times. Uh, but we both love this cartoon. I know. Dun, 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 dun. Super Friends. Oh, man. Uh, this was such a fun one. Based on DC properties, for the most part. For the most part. <laughs> they had to flesh some things out a little bit. Um, but, yeah, you got to – the animation style still kind of simplistic. Yep. And, of course, it's kind of going off of late Golden Age, early Silver Age uh, versions of the characters. So the powers don't always make as much sense. It's not as grounded in reality. The plot lines definitely don't make any sense. No. But But who cares? Yeah, it's just a way to showcase your your favorites in a goofy way, right? Right. have episodes that revolve around characters that you know, maybe some that you don't know, bad guys, good guys, silly things. You know, it's just, it was good enough that it lasted, like you said, nine seasons when almost every single thing we've talked about that have stretched over the last 20 years makes it a season. You know, sometimes, sometimes two. If you're lucky, it went to maybe three. Right. I think the Adams family, the live action one was what five or something like that. Exactly. So having any of these things last as long as this one has is kind of you know something completely different than what we've encountered. Exactly, and you know you'll get to get to have a little love for the original characters like you know the Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Robin, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Aquaman, Flash, but they inserted some others. You know, like the Wonder Twins. I mean, everybody. Loves to make fun of the Wonder Twins. Um, I remember because of the age I was, I didn't realize that a lot of these characters didn't originate 
in the comics that they just kind of created them because they realized that there were a bunch of just absolute white people. <laughs> just a bunch of white people. And it's like, you know, that that's we're we're missing some representation here. Yes. Maybe let's just except for the fact there isn't the animal. So they well, yeah, you got to have the animal sidekick, though. I mean, that there's always an animal sidekick. Mm-hmm. But the fact that uh, the fact that there was, I always try to figure out why the the Indian character's power was to grow big. Because a lot of times, you know, there's like certain things that link, and they kind of have some sort of balance, or you know, some history, and and I just couldn't figure out why. <laughs> Why his powers to grow big? I guess it makes sense. You know, not you don't always get to choose your power, but <laughs> I mean, they, they 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 still have characters like that now. Yeah. So the actual power set isn't the question. It was just the actual delivery or yeah. the assignment of that power set. Now, for the most part, the show is very episodic. You know, like all the all the other stuff that you're going to see from this time period, mm-hmm. and there wasn't going to be character growth over the course of the series. The Superman you met in the first episode, the Superman you're going to see in the last episode. There's really no difference, but they had some just kind of fun things they did because they had the Legion of Doom, and they represented them pretty well, really. Um, yeah, you didn't have to try to cater to some type of audience, right? Like there no. wasn't that pressure to do that where you could just kind of stay true to form to a, to a degree and just kind of present it as is in a goofy way, of course. But, um, you know, when we see those things in the, in the modern setting, you're you're trying to adapt it to some unknown reason or unknown storyline where the original storyline and character and those things were pretty good to begin with, but now you got to bend it for some reason to make it more palatable, but to who? I, I don't know. Anyway, that wasn't, that wasn't a necessity so much with the cartoons. No, I remember I had the uh, samurai uh, that the could, you know, fly because the bottom half of him was a, a tornado. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had that. I had that toy. I always thought that was so cool because you could, you could squeeze his arms and his bottom half would rotate around. <laughs> and I had the Hawkman figure, so it was just the other way. You squeeze the legs and the wings would flap. You know, just uh, that. It was a that was a money making machine, is what that was. That sold toys all over the place. Um, but the other fun, it, one of the best parts, Ted Knight. Shows up again. Yeah. I mean, he, as the narrator, well, you, I, I can't even do a good Ted Knight uh, doing the Hall of Justice. There are some comedians that, that do that as part of their skit, and it, they just nail it. And it's just every time I hear it, in the Hall of Justice, you know, just <laughs> it was so good. Yes. Like that, that over, it's like a, a god coming from the, from the from the clouds presenting you with the Hall of Justice. Yeah, and you got a little Frank Welker in the mix. I mean, if you're not familiar with Frank Welker, then you don't know voice actors. I mean, come on. Yeah. For reals. <laughs> I I I love I love Frank Welker. 
he, he's, he's my favorite. Um, but, uh, yeah, they had such a fantastic voice cast. Of course, again, Casey Kasem. Um, yeah, all around just freaking phenomenal. Um, yeah. So. Well, and the fact that, you know, when we see some iterations of the Justice League or whatever, that some of the characters that are in here aren't really presented in that in that greater grouping. And they really had everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, including Robin, which is totally, I mean, totally fine. <laughs> You're not saying he's like a, an appendix of the superhero community, are you? It's, it's an interesting, because, I mean, why, if you had truly a Justice League setup and Batman had a Robin at the time, he's just going to be like, Yo, Robin, you you got it on uh, lockdown here. I gotta go, you know, do some Justice League things. Peace, you know. Play with the big boys. Yep. Um. Yeah. So cool, cool to have him in there. Absolutely. Um. Now we're still in 1973. At the start, we uh we're gonna talk about uh Archie again. <laughs> the U.S. Archie. Uh, yeah. Uh, now this technically only lasted a single season, but they spread it out over a three year span again, somehow. I'm not sure how that works. Same voice cast. Um, and it's still the same kind of stuff, except instead of having their own plots or introducing other cartoon strips, they talk about U.S. history. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a way for to get the youth of the 70s to understand how the Underground Railroad worked. They have one uh, one episode called The Day of the Ladies. <laughs> what could that be about? That's what IMDb is going to ask you. You know what this is about? <laughs> the Day of the Ladies. Um I'm going to go with uh, I'm a clean version of that. Maybe it's uh, 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 getting the vote. I'm, yes, I'm going. I'm going to guess that's what that's about. But uh, yeah, they some very interesting uh, propaganda level <laughs> history lessons. But you know, what do you expect out of the '70s? I mean, there's it's it. That's just going to be what it is. I have never seen this of the Archie stuff that we've talked about today. This is the one I want to see the most. <laughs> yeah. What are they trying to teach the youth of the mid seventies? I'm, I'm really, really curious. Um, but I'm, do you, I'm, do you think these were, uh, captured in some form or fashion and then played for, uh, students in school? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we all need to be patriotic because remember, this is the time that the uh, uh, the Cold War is about to be starting to heat up. You know, well, see, we've got Vietnam and then the Cold War. So, yeah, so we all have to be super patriotic all throughout this time period. U.S. of Archie right there. Yeah. Yep. Although in the 70s, what would you – you would have had a reel-to-reel still, right? You wouldn't mm-hmm. have had a VCR because that wasn't until just a you know, decade later. So uh, I remember even when I was in – uh, elementary, and we watched uh, uh, a Christmas story. It was real to real. 
originally. But I, I, I got to imagine most high schools had one of those things. Not, not like when you thought about it in, in school and there was a, a TV VCR combo in like every classroom or one that could be wheeled from classroom to classroom. That just wasn't an option. Right. Yeah. So you had maybe a media room. Um, and maybe there was one of those that you could wheel from classroom to classroom, but there wasn't like 10 of them for a school. Now, luckily we get to do a little live action stuff. Now, finally, we're starting to get some comics adapted into real peoples in uh, 1974. Uh, Archie. <laughs> not this time. We got Shazam. Ooh. A little Captain Marvel, man. And I, I gotta say this one lasted for three seasons. Uh, it even had a spinoff. Uh, that didn't go so well. That didn't happen until 75. So we won't talk about that in this episode. But uh, if you're not familiar with Shazam, that's the Captain Marvel character sort of created by C.C. Beck. Now, technically speaking, C.C. Beck didn't create the concept of uh, Captain Marvel because there was kind of a lightning Captain Thunder sort of a thing that was by Bill Parker. He just refined it and gave it kind of the mythological spin and the tights and made it the way that we understand it now. Um, gave it the abbreviation? The Shazam? The, the uh, acronym? Mm, well, yeah, he, he definitely created the ac uh, acronym for it because it's all the different gods that give him his power. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's um, so it's the TV show is really – kind of interesting uh you've got a lot of people that were popular in the 70s and somewhat in the 80s uh but uh, a lot of uh, bit actors that were known from earlier if you're not familiar with the character billy batson gets powers he's a boy but he becomes a man when he uses them I will be surprised if you haven't seen the shazam movie with zachary levi by now but you know just in case uh, but uh, Michael Gray plays the uh, the lead in Billy Batson, and uh, it's it's super cheesy. If you've never seen it, it's it's wonderfully cheesy, like Love Boat level cheesy. I can say I've never seen an episode of it. I didn't uh, even know it existed until like a couple years ago. Yeah, it's. I mean, they didn't have an effects budget to speak of to do it any real <laughs> to, to do it any real justice. It, it was it was not good. And I, I wonder in terms of the motivation, right? So they, they picked a few other live action things to have prior to this, right? Um so why this character? Of all the characters, why this one? That is a fantastic question. Uh, I will answer that with a resounding shrug. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of, oh, I forgot about the RV. But, I mean, just just looking at the stills from the uh, from the TV show. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> sorry. I mean, Im admittedly, it's 60s. So when we watch movies based on comic characters, we expect – the actors to say have a certain physique if they're supposed to be strong. I mean, in theory, that should make sense. Um, if you look at how, at least today, how it's drawn in the comics, yeah, big 
big beefy superheroes, but uh, the, the the one picture we're looking at here, it's not it's not even the size of him. it's the <laughs> yeah. it's like the child's blanket that he's got wrapped around him. <laughs> oh man, yeah, uh, it's just it's so like I said, so cheesy, uh, but it's hard not to kind of like it when you watch it. It's, it's a so bad. It's good sort of a thing. Uh, so if you haven't watched it, definitely give it a try. It's a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to touch on the fact that there was a wonder woman, um, pilot in 1974. Now this was before the casting that we all know and love. They had Kathy Lee Crosby as wonder woman who is, uh, is a good actress, well-known for a lot of things. Um, she's, she's, done some, she's done some great stuff. It's just this was not. This didn't work out quite how they wanted it to. Right. They, they, they realized they needed to go a slightly different direction. Um, so I'm not really going to talk about anything other than the fact that it was created and other than the fact that the character was created by William Moulton Marston, who was a psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, and was uh, in the inventor of the systolic blood pressure machine and uh, didn't create this character till towards the end of his life in like the 40s, early 40s. Um, and it's just kind of read about him. There's a, there's a movie yeah. based on this creation of this character. He, he's, a, he's a weird dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kind of, kind of got from the trailers of it. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I want to leave us with a little fun Marvel thing. Uh, I don't know about you, but you know, I talked a little bit about the, um, um, you know, Sesame Street a, a little earlier because we all kind of grew up with Sesame Street to a certain mm-hmm. extent. But one of the other PBS things that I grew up with was the Electric Company familiar with it but and so more a little more educational kind of thing but part of the electric company were a series of skits called the spidey super stories it is the first time that we had a live action spider-man involved with anything and it was part of this educational pbs thing uh so if you're thinking he's going to be defeating a bunch of enemies uh having a lot of battles not so much (laughs) but it is really endearing um i mean uh, just take a look at it uh they've got it all on imd or imdb they've got all on wikipedia in an entry the spidey super stories there weren't that many of them um it looks to be that there were about 30 um so and and all it is is again it's an educational thing but you get to see a a guy in a spidey suit trying to teach kids things (laughs) and it's Uh, just fun that's okay yeah you know i don't know how familiar kids were in the 70s with what spider-man looked like so a person coming out in a you know head-to-toe body you know suit might be thrown thrown aback a bit yeah um he Today. did. He did the poses, though. Oh, okay. Amplify the weirdness. <laughs> so, if just imagine you're ten years old and you've never ever have seen the Spider-Man character, heard of it, and some dude comes out in a, a full spandex suit, head to toe, and then hops in front of you, and then does like the squatty little knee bend pose. 
you'd be like, what is going on here? Spidey meets, oh, look at that. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> a nah, lot. She does a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman narrates. <laughs> Even in the 70s. Yeah. Because, I mean, they they realized that early. It's like, oh, your voice. Please stay with us. But uh, So there's just a five-year span of a handful of shows based on comic strips and comic books. We've got probably the next episode when we do 1975 to 1979. Um, That'll probably be the last grouping that big. Because once we hit the 1980s, the instances of comic-based stuff skyrockets. So we'll have to start uh, <laughs> tackling those a little slower. Break it down on a year-to-year basis. Absolutely. But did we miss anything? I mean, there are a lot of shows, and I try and do my research, and I try and make sure I don't miss anything. But did, did was there one that we left out in this time frame? Let us know. We told you how to get a hold of us. Uh, or did you have some some fond memories of these shows share it we would love to forward and and tell people because these are the things that kind of make it fun and the memories of these things you know before if you wanted to watch some of these things that we talked about you know it was impossible to find these particular shows even maybe just a few years ago but i feel like nowadays if us talking about them kind of raise like piques your interest in like oh gosh i remember watching that i would like to watch those again a lot of these you can actually find them on uh imdb on youtube on uh amazon and you can just go and watch a lot of these episodes right now honestly 